Last week, we saw that uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we were encouraged by Jesus to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and that all these things would be added to us. And so, propelled by that thought, we're going to go back to uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, and uh, this verse is still about God's provision in our lives. And uh, hopefully we'll see that as we go through it this morning. But let's go ahead as a practice of starting to apply this verse to our memories and to our hearts. Let's say it together a few times. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due and yet it results only in want. All right, let's say that again. We're going to take away some of those words. Let's fill in the blanks as we go along. Proverbs 11:24. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. All right. One last time. Oof. Let's see how we do with this. Here we go. Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. All right, good job. And this is, a, this is an important verse for thinking about and recognizing how God operates and how God thinks. And, and, and chapter 11 in Proverbs, uh, prior to this verse, has been a contrast and a comparing of the righteous and the wicked. And as he goes through talking about the, uh, what the de- evil person desires and how they're going to be punished and the righteous will be delivered, and the, the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectations of the wicked is wrath. That's the, the immediate prior statement. In the midst of that comes this verse, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. Sometimes, I mean, if you think about it, we, we have these ideas in the world today of scarcity of resources, right? There's the view that is pushed quite a bit throughout human hi- modern human history. I don't know how old this view is, but definitely in the last 100 years that there is a limited or a finite amount of resources or wealth. And therefore, Bill Gates, who has billions of dollars, has robbed all of us because none of us has a billion dollars. He has our money. We must go and take it from him. Well, nobody ever really says that about Bill Gates. I guess he's buying off enough with all of his good-doer things. But that's the mentality that if you are rich, you are rich at somebody else's expense. And if you are poor, you are poor because somebody else has your goods, your resources. That there is only a limited amount available. And part of what this limited amount does is it creates 
couple of different ideas. The one idea, if we're worried about a limited amount of resources, is that we can, like the revolutionaries of the 70s, say, there's not enough resources, you need to give us yours. There are still people saying this, aren't there, today? There's not enough resources, you need to give us some of your wealth. You have your wealth, and if you have wealth, it is because you have obtained it off of other people, you must give it back. There's another side of this, though, is if, if we are worried about a limited amount of resources, well, I can't share with you what I have. I might run out. It's not enough for today. I've got to think about tomorrow. I've got to think about tomorrow's tomorrow and all the tomorrows after that if I have to worry about a finite amount of resources. And yet into that mentality... Here comes God who tells us that there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. In fact, several times God tells us to give away. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. right? But seek first the kingdom of God. He says, don't store up your treasures here on earth. Don't be like the foolish man who had such a good crop that he said, what am I going to do? My barns are overflowing. I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. And I'll store my stuff in my bigger barns and I will take it easy for the next several years and I will say, eat, drink, and be merry because you have earned it. And then, of course, God came to him and said, you foolish man, you don't know that your life is mine tonight. You will not enjoy these things tomorrow. But we can have that mentality, and into that mentality, Jesus says, don't store up your treasure here on earth. Don't live for the things of this earth. And not only that, but He shows on a regular basis that our limited, finite resources are not limiting to Him. So when the disciples are able to say, well, we found five loaves and two fish, but what is that for this multitude in front of us? What does God do? Jesus takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and before you know it, all 5,000 men and all the women and children that were with them have been fed, and they are able to collect 12 baskets full of leftovers. Our finite situation isn't finite to him. And so within that context, he tells us there is one who scatters. There is one who isn't worried about their tomorrows. There is one who isn't thinking about how can I make sure I have enough, but they scatter what they have. They invest it here. They invest it there. They help a neighbor when the neighbor needs help. They scatter, and yet they increase all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. There is one that says, I I can't pay you today because I might have to pay a bill. I'm going to hold on to that. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 3, we're told, don't withhold from your neighbor that which you can pay today. If your neighbor has need, you don't tell them, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. But no, give it to them today. I think this comes as, even into small little areas, whereas uh, you know, some businesses, what do they do? They'll hold bills for 30 days, right? We'll hold the bill. We won't pay it yet. As a church, I feel like that is the wrong message to take. As soon as you get a bill, you should pay it. Because it is due. And if you have the money, you should give it. One who scatters yet increases all the more. And then there is one who withholds what is justly due. And what happens? What is the result of hoarding? 
What is the result of withholding what is justly due to other people? They result only in want. They don't have enough. The, the harder we try to hold it all together, we find it's not enough. And, and when we're looking at this and saying the one who scatters, you know, we're, we're talking about righteous people. But I, I would say that you could even use that to, to describe God. One who scatters perfectly describes God. And just, just, if you've got a tomato at home, go and open it up and see how many seeds are in that thing. One tomato. One tomato has so much future potential. Not just for an additional tomato, but an additional plant. Every seed. And he scatters it. There is so much abundance available to us that God has provided. He is one who scatters. It, it perfectly describes him. In, in, for, uh, I say 1 Corinthians in my notes. It's 2 Corinthians. Boy, I was, I was pulling this up and I was having a, a heart attack because I was in 1 Corinthians in my Bible. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now this is in the context of the church giving uh, to an offering. He says, God is able to make all grace abound to you that you will always have all sufficiency in everything, that you may have an abundance for every good deed. And then he says in verse 9, he quotes uh, Psalm 112. He says, as it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now in the context, if you go back to Psalm 112 and read it in context, it sounds like it's talking about the righteous man but His righteousness endures forever, that's God. It's His righteousness, not our righteousness, that will endure forever. And He is the one who scattered abroad. He gave to the poor. In the, in the sense that we do these things, in the sense that we scatter abroad, or in the sense that we uh, are one who scatters and yet increases all the more, we experience that only to the extent that we are becoming like God. He is the one who is originally scattered and given to all, and increases all the more. I mean, just think about the way God works. He, he gives the rain to the wicked and the good. He is concerned about the lives of the people of Nineveh. When, when um, Jonah says, I, I don't even want to go to Nineveh, I'm going to fight you every step of the way. I don't want to share the message of repentance because I think the people would actually repent, and I hate them so much, I don't want to see them survive. I would rather see them judged. And God says, shouldn't I have care and compassion on them? They're so ignorant. In fact, there are children among them who have no idea what they're doing. Shouldn't I have compassion on them? Think of Jesus and His earthly ministry. He didn't withhold miracles from people until they believed in Him. In fact, the majority of people that Jesus performed miracles on walked away and never came back. They got what they wanted. Very few of them followed Him. Very few of them were around afterwards. He, he healed thousands of people. There were 5,000 that received the food when he took the loaves and took the fish. And then there was another time when there was 4,000. And yet, when Peter preached at Pentecost, less than 3,000 came to faith that day. There were a lot of people who ate the bread 
There were a lot of people who were healed who did not follow Jesus. He didn't wait to see what the condition of their heart was. He didn't ask them, well, are you going to follow me? Are you going to give everything for me? He blessed them and he gave them the miracles they were looking for as a sign of who he was and that the message that he was preaching was true. In fact, the only place that we're told he didn't perform miracles was in his hometown. And it wasn't because he was stingy. It was because the people didn't believe. Their lack of faith hindered him. He, could, he healed a few people, but not as many as in other places because of them, not him. So we, we see that God is one who scatters. He is one who blesses. And, and in verse 24, that's really what he's encouraging us to do, to, to live like God. There is one who scatters, and, and the idea is to, to freely disperse. You know, uh, I've got a... a, 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 a little push broadcast um, tool for you know putting out fertilizer and putting out weed killer and things like that and it just spins right and I set it to a different setting it's a broadcast disperser and it just spins and it scatters whatever I'm putting out if I'm putting out grass seed or if I'm putting out fertilizer or if I'm putting out uh, pre-emergent type stuff it just scatters it everywhere I'm not thinking where would the best place to put this? You know, I'm not going around dropping those things grain by grain, thinking about the best place to put it. It's the idea of just freely dispersing it, letting it go. It, it is wild abandon. It is not um, thinking it through. And that's what he does. One scatters. He sends it freely out. And yet increases all the more. He just has more added to him. You would think he would run out, but no, as he scatters, it's added to him. You know, I, I think of this with uh, business people I know that will give things away and, and give the, their time and service, not to everybody necessarily, but to those who are in need. And, and as a follower in Jesus Christ, the, the faith, the belief is, as I bless others, as I give freely... I'm going to trust God that He's going to provide for me. And I want you to, to see here that uh, this idea of one who scatters, it's not just uh, meaning charitable giving, although we can definitely apply it to that. It's not just being generous and giving uh, at church or giving to different missions organizations or different things. It applies in many areas of our lives. And what it is, is more than just being generous. God calls us to be blessings. He wants us to, to bless people. I think that's the image of one who scatters and yet increases all the more. They bless people. And, and it's not a, a formulaic, do this so that you get more. It, it's a change of heart and a change of mind. That, that we should go through life not worried about how am I going to take care of tomorrow? How am I going to take care of next year? I'm not saying we'd be foolish and say, well, I don't have to worry about tomorrow, so I'm going to go out and buy that new car that I can't afford. Or I'm going to go and you know, charge up on my credit card a trip I'll never be able to pay off. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about being foolish, but we are talking about being generous, about being a blessing to others. And I think this has ramifications not just... Uh, in our charitable giving, and, and that's kind of what I described, a business person who maybe would do a job for free and, well, you can write that off you know, on your taxes and everything. 
But have you ever considered as a consumer when you go and purchase things that you can be a blessing to people in how you spend your money? That you can scatter it abroad? That you can think of how you use your money and, and when you go to purchase things that you're participating in in that business and you're helping people you know, pay for their things? We got some uh, work done in our house recently and, and it was stuff that uh, had we had needed to do for a long time and we had wanted to do it for a long time and we happened to have saved up and had the money to be able to do this work. But part of it also was, hey, there are some men who came in and worked in our house really hard and they're able to feed their kids this week because they were able to work in our house. It's not all just me, 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 my, my, mine consumerism. We bless people in the things that we do and how we are able to use our money. That's something to be thinking about as we scatter it abroad. That we're blessing them. In the verse right after 24, we're told the generous man will be prosperous. He who waters will himself be watered. You know, if you bless other people, and, and again, this I'm, I have to make sure this doesn't go into like, you know, Oprah Winfrey secret type, you know, special language. It's not a, oh, if you go watering, you're going to be watered. We're not talking about a, a, a seed. You know, we're not talking about give a hundred dollars and you're going to reap a thousand. We're not, no, that stuff is not true. But we are talking about the God, and the way He works. He's already watering. But also, there is some truth that if you are good to other people, if you bless people, as you go through life, you'll probably experience some blessings from other people. You may experience blessings back from those people. I think, you know, we just studied uh, the book of Ruth recently, and Boaz, he comes out to his field and he says, uh, the Lord, you know, bless you, the Lord bless you, and uh, all of his workers saying, the Lord bless you. Like, they're excited to see him. He's a good boss. He blesses them, and they want to bless him back. You know, there's something to be said for if you're in an environment where you, your boss is kind to you and blesses you, you want to do a good job. But if you're in a place where they're just looking to find out something you've done wrong, what are you trying to do? Just make sure you can't be caught doing anything wrong. That's not fun. That's not healthy. That's not a place where you can be a blessing. So as we bless, as we water, yeah, you're going to be watered. It's not a formula. It's just a natural result of how we go about our lives. You know, if you're angry everywhere you go, chances are you're going to run into a bunch of angry people, or at least upset people. But if you're friendly and you're nice, even when you mess things up, people can't seem to be angry at you all the time. There's blessings that come with being generous and Watering others. Verse 26 tells us, He who withholds grain, the people will curse him. This is where I think, you know, he who withholds what is justly due. He who withholds grain, unwilling to pay or unwilling to sell, you know, hoarding it for themselves, the people will curse him. I'm reminded of the long winter in, you know, in, the, in the Little House in the Prairie series. There they went through, the family went through this really long winter, and there was a man who owned the feed store, and, or, or the general store, and he had grain, and he was trying to sell it at inflated prices because everybody had a need, right? Supply and demand. He had the supply. They had the demand. The demand was high. Therefore, he could charge more for the supply. 
And I remember Paul Ingalls goes and he says, you know, it's your, it's your grain. You have every right to sell it for whatever price you want to sell it for. But just remember this, this winter isn't going to last. And there will come a day when all the people in this town have the means to buy grain and goods from other places. You support us today. We will support you in the future, is in the essence of what he was saying. But you try to, to stick it to us with these high prices, and we're starving, so we'll, we'll give you everything we can. But the day will come when nobody will want to buy from your store. And the guy that owned the general store thought, you know what, I'll just charge you the normal prices. How about that? The people will curse him who withholds grain. But blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Life is not about making the most from what you have. Getting the most money from it. Withholding the price until you get the... It's not about sticking it to everybody else. It should be for the believer in Jesus Christ and for the child of God, it should be about blessing the world around us because that is what God has done. To be a blessing to them. Finally, in verse 28, he says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. He who trusts in his riches will fall. See, this is the whole, the whole focus going through. You know, the one who uh, scatters and yet increases all the more versus the one who withholds. The one who withholds, the one who refuses to sell grain, this is the person who trusts in his riches. This is the person who trusts in what they already have and in holding on to their resources and is worried about competition. And he tells us, he who trusts in his riches will fall. You know, there are a lot of people today who are really wealthy. We live in a wealthy nation. It doesn't take much in America to be wealthy, especially on the world standards. Now, obviously, living in America, it costs more to live than in some other countries, just like it costs a whole lot more to live in California than it does in Texas, right? But we're still wealthy. We're still wealthy. And there's a lot of people who trust in their riches. And we can look at people and think they are so rich, they've got everything they need. And maybe materially and physically they do. And they have things that we can't even imagine. And yet, Scripture tells us that if they trust in those riches, they will fall. I think the thing that is most dangerous for a soul is not poverty, but wealth. King Agur in Proverbs chapter 30, he said, uh, grant me two things in my life. One of them was, give me neither poverty nor riches. So that I wouldn't be so poor that I would steal and bring shame to your name, but also that I would not grow too rich and say, who needs the Lord? And therefore forsake your name. thing about poverty is is it the less you have the less you're worried about losing the thing about poverty is is that when you're hurting and there are people around you that are hurting uh, you desire to help and so you desire to be helped and and you're led to help other people some of the most generous people i know are the people who don't have the 
the resources to be generous. But the problem with wealth is, is as you grow in your wealth, you can focus only on yourself. You can focus on, I am the one who has made this. I am the one who's got this. You can forget about God. You can say, I don't need the Lord. But also, you can look around you and you can start looking down on those around you. And the poor people who maybe need health, you can say to yourself, well, what's wrong with them? I did it. I made it. What's wrong with them? All this is destructive. The one who trusts in his riches will fall. And even if they don't fall in this life, although we see sometimes that happens, they're probably going to fall by the time the next life starts because they haven't placed their faith in Jesus Christ. But he says, the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. The righteous. And, and, and that's what he's getting at. The idea of the one who scatters is a righteous person. The one who doesn't hoard his stuff is a righteous person because they are living the way God has called us to live. God has called us to be a blessing and God has called us to trust in Him. And that's why this isn't a formula. It isn't if you scatter, you're going to get more. It isn't if, if you water, you're going to get watered back. And so it's really an investment plan. All right? You know, if you just give a little bit today, you'll, you'll, I, I can guarantee you a 10% fold next year. That's not what this is. It is a call for us to trust in God. God calls us to trust in Him, and that's what it is. The person who scatters isn't trying to trust in their riches. They're not saying, I need to hold on to these resources. The person who scatters says, I don't need to worry about these resources. I can use them for God's glory today. I can use them to bless the people around me today because I trust God for tomorrow. And that's what God is calling us to do. We looked at 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 8 and 9 earlier. Or 1 Corinthians, there, it's in my notes, okay? I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 9, in verse 6. So Paul is talking to the Corinthians about an offering that they are collecting for the benefit of the believers in Jerusalem where there is a famine going on. And not only that, but as Christians, these Jewish believers who have become Christians, they believe in Jesus as their Messiah, they have been cut out of Jewish society. Maybe they've lost jobs. Maybe they've lost family connections. They don't have the ability to provide for themselves. And then across the, ocean, uh, the sea, you've got the Corinthians and you've got the Philippians and all these people. They don't have these problems. They're mostly Greeks. The Greeks don't care that they're following Jesus as the Messiah. They, they have income. They have the ability to do things. And so Paul is encouraging them to make a collection that he can take to the Jerusalem saints and this way the church can help itself, can provide uh, for its brothers and sisters. And he says in chapter 9, verse 6, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. See, the same idea. Uh, do we scatter freely? Or do we withhold what is justly due? He says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now what he's talking about then, when I go out to plant my garden in my little, you know, match, or not matchstick, but stamp size, you know, postage stamp garden, am I just putting one seed in there? Or do I plant, you know, do I increase my garden? Do I increase my, my planting? The more I plant, the more I will potentially reap. 
but the less I plant, well, I can't expect a huge crop if I only plant two or three plants. I can expect a little, but if I plant 20 plants, I can expect a whole lot more. And so that's what he's saying. He who sows sparingly, who, who, he who doesn't plant a whole lot will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The more you put into it, the more it's going to result in. And, and so then he tells him in verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now he's talking about giving. He's talking about an offering, a collection given. And he, he even stipulated that they should do this at the beginning of the, of the week. You know, at the very first part, before you've spent your money, decide in your heart, what am I going to give? And, and this is a good principle for us as believers to, to adopt. As we look at our faith, as we make decisions about following Jesus, is our giving an afterthought where we start going, well, what do I got left? You know, uh, Or do we say before we, we've spent anything, this is what I'm dedicating to the Lord. And, and notice he says it must be done uh, not grudgingly or under compulsion. It shouldn't be based on somebody else telling you what to do. But it should be what you have purposed in your heart. So we need to pray about it. We need to think about it. We need to look at you know, our situation. We don't need to be so foolish that we uh, say, I'm going to give 100% to God and then go begging everybody around us to help us pay our rent you know, and, and give us some food. I don't think that honors God. It also doesn't honor God, I think, though, to say, well, I just can't give God anything. I, I, I don't have any, I, and there's not enough to, to go around. That, that's, no, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. I had some friends in, uh, when we were in seminary, they were in our Bible study, and after we left Denver and came back to Texas, they ended up going to seminary. Now he's a pastor in Wyoming. But they had a wonderful story about they were so in debt as young married couple. They did not feel like they could give to the church, to the offering. They, they thought, it's wrong for us. We need to dig ourselves out of debt. And then we can give to God generously. And so they were operating in that kind of mentality. We've got to dig ourselves out of this. We, listen to the language, we have to dig ourselves out of this. Where's their focus? They were convicted of that. And they purposed in their heart, to give an offering, a very small offering, but an offering that they, a week prior, felt they could not afford to give. They purposed in their heart to give it. And they said, we didn't change our... And this is all past tense. When they told us this story, they'd already... This is all past tense. They said, we didn't change our, our spending habits. We didn't make more money. We didn't do anything. We didn't notice anything different. But slowly our debt started decreasing. We started paying it off in, in a better way than we had been. And we purposed to give a little bit more. And we gave a little bit more. And we saw that as we were gave, giving faithfully, we were getting out of debt. And they eventually got to the point where they had no debt. It's not a formula. It's not a you do this, you're guaranteed that. But it's about our heart that God wants us to trust in Him and their actions of saying, okay, you know what? 
we've been trying to do this on our own. We're going to start believing God and His Word. I think, personally, that something changed in the way they live. But possibly, possibly, God just multiplied the quarters and the dimes. Like He did with the loaves and the fish. But we have to purpose it in our hearts. It can't be what somebody else has done. It can't be done grudgingly. It can't be like, oh, I've got to give again. No. It should be freely given. It should be joyously given. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And, and, and we should do it. Now, now, Paul does say, hey, if you sow sparingly, don't expect much. You'll reap sparingly. But it needs to be based on your heart. And that's where we again move into where he says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. As you give, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance, not for your own benefit, not for relaxation, not for comfort, for every good deed. For every good deed. God will provide for you and bless you if you trust in Him. As it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. This is the nature of God. This is who He is and this is who He is calling us to be. And yet, what do we do? We, we get nervous about it. We think, well, I can't afford that. I need to do this. And, and I will say, you know, I think part of being a blessing is I should spend some of my money on my family. How can I bless my family? You know, so it's not, oh, I've got to give it all to the church. No, we, we purpose in our hearts how much we're going to give to the church. We purpose in our hearts how much we're going to support certain missionaries and different organizations. We purpose in our hearts how much we're going to put aside for different activities like going on a trip or buying something that a kid wants. Or making sure we have money for sports. That's part of this. Spreading it. Scattering it freely. There's another portion I just real quick want to touch on. In Malachi chapter 3, God tells... Uh, see, I, I, oh, I'm in... <laughs> Man, I was running like crazy today. There we go. That's so much better. Micah is not Malachi. Let's just, let's just agree on that. I was looking down. I thought, this is wrong. Okay, My, Malachi 3.8. Malachi is speaking on behalf of God, saying, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You were cursed with a curse, for you were robbing me, the whole nation of you. This was a problem that the, the nation of Israel had, the, the people of God in Judah. They weren't giving to God as He had directed them to. Thank God, you know, as, as New Testament believers, we don't operate in a mindset of tithes and prescribed offerings. God wants you know, those who worship Him to be worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. He desires a cheerful giver. Now, a tithe is a great starting point. It's a great guide. If, if our government can come and say, we're going to take 15%, we're going to take 25%, is it such a great thing for us in our own desires to say, I'm going to give God 10% right off the top? And we can talk later about, is that pre-tax or post-tax? Am I going to give God 10% right off the top? That's what a tithe is. It's something in our time, though, it's not under compulsion. It's given generously, but it's a good starting point. He says to the nation of Israel that they were robbing him 
of the tithe and the offerings the whole nation was. And then he says in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Most of the offerings that they gave were grain offerings and the, the, the tithe was on, on their produce, their, their crops. And he's saying there's no food in the, in the temple. There's no food to feed the priests and the Levites. There's no food for the poor that we might be able to give through. Bring the tithe to my house into my storehouse, that there might be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now again, not a formula. This isn't if we all just come up here and give our tithes to God, He will bless us. You know, write down what kind of a car you want. God's got it coming to you. No. What it is, when He says test, He says See if this isn't how it will work. This is his nature. This is who he is. This is what he wants to do. When Jesus was on earth, he wanted to heal people. He wanted them to believe in the truth. God is sovereign over the whole world, is creator of us. What does he want to do? Does he want us to starve? Does he want us to hunger? Does he want us to fight? No. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to eat. He wants us to enjoy life. That's his desire, to bless us. But we walk away from him. We rob him. We turn our attention from him. We trust in ourselves. And so he's telling them, bring the tithe in. That thing you have been failing to do. And I have been disciplining you because of it. Change your behavior. Bring it in and, don't, and see if I don't open up the storehouses of heaven for you. That I would open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it over, not until you're full until it overflows. Because that's, that's the nature of God. You know, every day when the Israelites were in the, in, the, in the wilderness, He gave them enough manna, not just for that day, but they could have collected it for many days. And He encouraged them, only collect it, or actually He commanded them, only take enough for the day. Which meant that they had to leave manna in the field. They had to walk away from it. That's how great He blesses. There is an abundance if we would trust in Him. And that's what He calls us to do. And how do we live out that trust? By living out His attitude. He is one who scatters, so let us desire to be those who scatter. Let us desire to be those who bless other people. Let us desire to be those who water other people, who who give generously. Let us see if He doesn't live up to who He is when we start trusting in Him. It is not a formula. You might not see His handing out of the blessing in the ways you expect it to be. But He will do it because of who He is. But He calls us to trust in Him. To believe in Him. And that's what this verse is talking about. Proverbs 11.24. Let's look at it one last time real quick. This is, what, this is what He is calling us to be. To people who trust in God, who scatter. And to stop being those kind of people who withhold what is justly due. What is right to do. Because when we do that, we result only in want. Let's say this again. Shall we? Proverbs 11.24. 
There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we recognize in You one who scatters. You bless and You bless. And even in rebellion, even when we feel like we are hungry and You are withholding the rains and we aren't able to grow enough food, we, we don't recognize that You're still blessing us in those times and in those moments. That You're still giving us more than we deserve. Because we know if we really truly got what we deserved, it would be punishment, it would be destruction, it would be nothing beneficial to us. And yet You look at our sins and You send us Your Son, the true bread who came out of heaven, to die on the cross that we might be forgiven of our sins, to rise again from the dead that we might have victory over death and that we would have new life in Him. You have given us everything. You have given us Your Son and You provide for us and You call upon us to trust in You. Lord, we pray today that we would trust in You. Whether it is uh, to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior today, to say, I, I'm not going to try to get through life on my own terms, but I'm going to rely upon God's ways. Whether it is to trust in You that we, we look at our, our finances and we don't know how we're going to make ends meet, and we have a tendency, a desire to be uh, greedy and, and closed-fisted about our resources, that we might trust You that You're going to provide and we're here to help the people around us. Lord, it may be that, that we have looked too hard at trying to make sure we have enough for ourselves and we are cheap towards You. We are stingy towards You. We don't want to give to Your work and Your church and Your house. Father, I pray for a change of heart that we would desire to be a blessing that we would desire to, to act out our faith with our finances. I pray, Lord, that we would not cheat You, but that we would give all that You have put on our hearts to give, that we would trust in You, that You will provide for us. Lord, as a church, I pray that we would trust in You to provide that would be our focus on how we might be a blessing to our community, how we might be a blessing to those around us, our neighbors, our friends, how we might share the Gospel message and trust in You to keep the lights on. Trust in You to keep things going. And Lord, if the day comes when the lights go out, may we trust in You to lead us to the place that You would have us serve. May we trust You even when everything goes in a way that we don't expect it or want it. May our focus not be on the things we want, Lord, but our eyes on You, our focus on trusting in You and seeking in any way we can to be a blessing to others. We pray and ask these things, Father, today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you.